Good morning. Thank you, Kimberly. She's not feeling great, and so she's, I like to say, she's, it's when you lead worship and you don't feel great, it's like playing wounded in sports, you know? Your respect level just goes up that much more when you, when you play wounded. And uh, she's playing wounded this morning, so thank you for leading well, the whole team. Love you guys. You know what I love about our church? One of the many things I love about our church that God is doing in our church, he's growing us to be a diverse congregation. And I mean that in lots of ways. We have young people, we have older people, right? We have black, white, Latino, Asian. We have, we have different uh, nationalities, different people. We come from different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. Many of us uh, have many different experiences than someone else maybe sitting next to you. I love that. We're all different. And yet, one thing we have in common, not only with each other, we have this in common with every person on the planet, and that is that we, at one point or another, we all face fear. At some point or another, and, and honestly, I think if we're being honest, we would say at many points in our lives, maybe every year, <laughs> one thing or another, maybe there's one reoccurring thing in your heart, one reoccurring thing in your family, one reoccurring thing that just seems to cripple you with fear. There's no question that... We're all so different, and yet this is one thing that, that brings us together. It doesn't matter if you're young or old or rich or poor, right? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian even or, or, or not. The reality is we all have fears. And uh, I, want, I want to ask you this morning just to consider something. What is your greatest fear or fears? Just even right now as we're sitting here, just kind of search your heart. and I bet as soon as I say it, there's something that comes to your mind. Something immediately just comes to your heart. Something you deal with, maybe it keeps you up at night, maybe it's stuff that you don't like to speak about. But even as I say what's your fear, you, you know what it is. Chances are it's something maybe that happened in your past. Something that happened a long time ago and for whatever reason, whatever happened, because of that thing today, it causes fear in your life. Maybe it's fear for you again or fear for a family member or someone else, but that thing that happened then causes fear today. Or maybe it's something in the future, something you don't know about, something that's unknown, and yet you're afraid of the unknown, and so it affects today. You're afraid to even get out of bed sometimes because of maybe what the future may hold. Fear does crazy things to us. Well, we're, we're in a, um, a pretty unique moment, aren't we, today? December the 31st, 2017. I'm one of these weird people that really, I really like Mondays. Anybody else like Mondays? I love, I'm, I love Mondays. Yeah, thank you. There's a couple of us weird people. I love Mondays because it's, the, it's a new beginning of the week. I love what I do for a living. I love the people I get the, the privilege to work with. And so I, I love it. And so on Monday morning, I wake up and I'm like, go to staff meeting. This is going to be great. And so the end of the year, the New, New Year's Eve is kind of me like it's like a huge Monday, right? It's like this beginning of the year. There's no telling what God's going to do as we look back over 2017. It's just been phenomenal what God has done and, and who he has been and what he's showing us and teaching us. And I can look around even this room of the people that are here or not here in my mind. And I can, I'm telling you, I can tell you that God has been at work in us, hadn't he? He's doing something special in us. And so here we stand at the finish line of 2017. We're about to cross it, a few more hours. Some of you are like, good riddance, 2017. 
go away. Uh, some of you are kind of like, it's, not, it's been okay. It's been an okay year, you know. But we stand on this, this point of the finish line of this year and the starting line of the next. This is a very important moment for Christians, I believe. Every year, I don't want us to miss the significance of these moments where we kind of go, Lord, how good you've been or what you, you know, the reality is you're here, aren't you? You're here, aren't you? Hello? He's brought you here. You made it this far. We made it this far. He's going to lead us into this next year. He is so good. He is so good. I just challenge us this morning to, to look back over the year, prepare for the next, and to truly begin to think about, well, how can this year be different? And I would even just ask you this. What if, what if we could face those fears, those fears that I ask you about? What if we could face them as individuals, as believers in Jesus, if we could truly face those fears? Because honestly, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I think they're affecting you. I know they affect me. They're affecting us every single day. They keep us from trying. They keep us from believing. They keep us from failing. Do you know how important failure is in your life? It's very important that you fail. Because if you haven't failed, then you haven't tried. And if you haven't tried, then you don't get to the next steps of whatever it is God's leading you to. But fear paralyzes us, doesn't it? It keeps us from trying. It keeps us from learning. It keeps us from going forward. It keeps us from dreaming. And I just want to challenge this this morning. What would your life look like if you didn't have those fears in your heart? What would your family look like if you didn't have to deal with those fears in your family or in your finances or in your job or, or your future? What would life look like? And not only for you, what would it look like for us? Because as God is changing you, he's changing us as a church. We can't be the church he wants us to be if we're not individually becoming who he wants us to be. You see how that works? <laughs> That's how that works. God is going to do three things, I think. If we truly face our fears, I think, number one, I think he can help us overcome those fears. And maybe some of you have had these fears for a million years. God can help you overcome those fears. And then, listen to this, this is what's cool. Not only can God help you overcome your fears, he can use those very fears to shape you into the image of Jesus. And then on top of that, he can use his shaping you into the image of Jesus into being a blessing to somebody else who's going through the same fear. That's how good and amazing our God is. What one thing might have crippled us before might be the very thing that gives life to someone else if we'll allow God to use it. If we'll allow God to use it. Well, I, I, as a church family this morning, it's my prayer, honestly, that today we could truly just come before the Lord. We could just bow before the Lord and we could say, Father, would you search our souls the way David spoke in Psalm 51? Would you search me, Lord? Would you search each of our hearts? Know us. What, what are we afraid of? And would you heal the wounds in our past? Would you heal the wounds in our souls that cause this fear? And would you help us as a church, as individuals, would you help us to trust, to have faith, to trust that you're in control? Did you know that? God's in control. To trust you're in control and to trust that you're good. Because sometimes there's things that happen in our lives and we go, how could a good God, you ever heard that one? 
Ever said that one? Sure. How could a good God dot, dot, dot if this happened? Listen, I pray that this year God calls us to a faith to trust that he's in control and that he's good. Uh, Listen, this morning, if you're struggling, and maybe this is just part of your life, part of your history, you've struggled with fear off and on. I know some, some of you single people, you struggle with different fears than maybe married people. Some of you people with, with kids have different struggles and different fears than those of you who don't. We all have these different aspects of fear, but I want you to know you're in good company this morning. Do you know what the most commonly used uh, commandment in Scripture is? It's used more than any other commandment. You know what it is? Fear not. Did you know that? It's used more than anything else. Do you know what that means? That means that whoever spoke it, whether it be God or an angel or or somebody being used of God in Scripture, they're speaking it to people. (laughs) So if it's the most commonly used phrase, it means it's maybe the most commonly uh, realized problem. We all fear. And we're not alone from Old Testament, New Testament. This is something we all deal with. We all struggle with. Okay? And so this is the most commonly used phrase. And also, I don't want you to forget the second half of the phrase. Fear not, for I am what? I'm with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Isn't that good? We trust that God is with us. Now, If we just said fear not, that wouldn't be enough. You know why? Because there's some scary stuff out there. You have walked through some things that are difficult. You have, your experience, your life experiences brought some reasons for you to be fearful. And I know that we live in an evil world and so it's easy to be afraid. But that's not the whole statement, is it? Fear not, for I am with you. See, we don't have to be afraid. I'm confident this morning I can stand here before you and I can say it is, it's God's will for you to not be afraid. It's his desire for you to stop fearing. I feel confident I can say that to you. You know why? Because he's with you. He loves you. He knows you're fearing. He knows there's things in your life that you're dealing with, and yet he says, fear not, for I'm with you. So we can face our fears because he's with us. Now listen, I know Christmas is, is over. I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of sad about it. We were driving to church this morning. Lori said, I just miss Christmas music. You know? It's only 300 and whatever, 60 days or whatever it is till Christmas, honey. But um, I miss Christmas. But because we're coming out of this Christmas season, I'd like for us to look at a few characters in the Christmas story and how they've been afraid, Okay? One thing that we see in the, throughout the Christmas story is there's some, there's some fear in each of these different characters' lives. And I want to do two things, okay? I'm going to tell you how I'm going to work this out this morning. We're going to look at their stories, and we're going to look at some things in the context of their story that we can learn from. And then I would like us to consider these people as real people for a minute. We, we turn them into these little warm and fuzzy characters that just don't have meanings. They're not real people. They just, yeah, no, they're real people. These are people just like us that have real fears and real struggles and real pain and real difficulty just like us. And so I want to learn something from the text, and I want to take a look at what they might, been, might have been afraid of, okay? Here's the first character this morning, Zechariah. Let's look at it. Luke 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, who uh, was also a descendant of Aaron, 
Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah, uh, his division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according uh, to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Here's the first thing I want us to see. Zechariah was what some of you like to call a professional Christian, right? He worked in the church, so to speak. His job was ministry. He knew the word of God. And this says that God saw him as blameless. He was a good man. He and his wife, they were good people. They honored the Lord of their lives. They, they lived for the Lord. <laughs> this is what I want to say to you. Even those people who work in the church, who maybe know a little bit more about God, who 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 serve people in ministry, they get afraid. They can be afraid. Now, I also want to say this. This is the 400-year period where it had been silent, right? And so Zechariah, you know, maybe not expecting anything. But of all people who maybe ought to be more familiar with miracles or angels or uh, the presence of God, it, it ought to be this guy, right? And he goes to do his job, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears, and he says he is gripped with fear. He's afraid. Now, in Scripture, we see angels a couple different ways. One, we either see them as these warring creatures that are so devastatingly frightening that you could literally fall over dead. They are so frightening, you will be terrified. I don't know if that's what he saw or not. We also see in different places in Scripture where it says sometimes we entertain angels unaware. In other words, we may not even know they were an angel. They were an angel. So, we don't see anything that sets them apart maybe from a human. Who knows? So we're not, we're not sure what the case was with this angel. If he's just kind of chilling up there next to the altar. Or if he's like this big, huge, warring angel that, which I'm guessing is maybe what he was because he was frightened. He was gripped with fear. Here's the next thing I want to notice about the text. Uh, the angel of the Lord says uh, to Zechariah, listen to this, your prayer has been heard. Oh, just think about that for a second and what, it, uh, what he's talking about. He's talking about a prayer to conceive. But something doesn't line up in this text. And what that is, is it says that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are very what? They're very old. <laughs> I would just think that at some point in your age, you kind of stop praying certain things. You know, hello? I'm, not, I'm just being real. You just at some point you go, well, okay, we prayed that, didn't happen. Okay, let's pray about something else. What is interesting about this, listen, there is no statute of limitations on prayer, evidently, with God. So maybe you've been praying for something for 30 years. And this is my point. I think their prayer was not a new prayer. This may not have been a prayer from last week. This could have been a prayer from 40 years ago. Isn't that good? Our prayers are heard. The prayers of the saints are heard of God are heard by our God. 
and there's no, there's no limitation on how long we've been praying. So if you've been praying about something that's significant to your heart, to your life, to your soul, and maybe you've been pleading with the Lord for years and years, don't stop. He hears you. Here's something else I want you to see in this text. It's not just our prayers. Our prayers have to also uh, connect to the will of God. You remember a few weeks ago we talked about this passage in Hebrews, and it says that when, when we pray with groans, that the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us. Remember we talked about that? And it says in that text that the Holy Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. In other words, he hears our prayer, but he also knows the will of God, and so he intercedes on our behalf knowing the will of God. So when we pray, we need to pray, Lord, as long as it's your will. If our prayers align with the will of God, guess what's going to happen? That very thing. When you pray in accordance with the will of God, it will happen. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how old you are. God is faithful. When we pray according to his will, that thing will happen. God is never late. We trust his timing. Amen? We pray for different things. We submit our requests for God's will. And if our prayer lines up with his will, that thing will happen. Uh, now I want to just take a second and look at the humanity of Zechariah. What are some of the fears that maybe he had? I mean, think about this. This is an older gentleman. I mean, I, I've shared some of these circumstances with Zechariah. My wife and I were infertile for almost nine years. And so I prayed this very, this very same prayer. I, I connect with him in that way. But I think he prayed this prayer. Are we ever going to have a baby? Are, are we ever going to have a family? We're getting old. Who's going to take care of us? That is the exact prayer my wife and I prayed and, and talked through when we were infertile. How is this going to work? What about this? God, do you even hear my prayer? L look at the real fear of the real person of Zechariah. I'm sure his prayer was similar to mine in that I prayed, God, am I not fit to be a, a father? Is that not something I'm, do you not see in me the, the potential to be a good father? That was one of my very real fears, and I'm sure it was one of his. Do you even hear my prayers? Are you even there? It's been 400 years, God. Are you even there? Am I just going through the motions in ministry? Did you notice what his job was? His job was going to the temple, which, you know, he was cast, casting lots, and he pulled the lot to go to the temple and light incense. That's, that's his job. You think your job is monotonous? You think your job seems little sometimes, moms? Or whatever your job is, you think it doesn't matter? You think Zacharias, one of his fears was, am I making any difference? What am I doing with my life? I'm going and lighting incense. And then he runs into an angel, and you never know when God will show up. He always shows up. You just never know when, right? And he does something that you never thought he would do. Here's the next character, Mary. Big character in the Christmas story, <laughs> FYI. Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. A couple of things I want to notice from the text. Number one, Mary, God thinks a lot of Mary. I love how the angel shows up and the very first thing he says is, Greetings, you who are highly favored of the Lord. It's kind of like he's saying, God talks a lot about you. You are highly favored of the Lord. And do you notice he says that to her twice? Not only does he say, greetings, you who are highly favored, a little bit in the next sentence he says, you have a lot of favor with God. Even people who are full of integrity and full of the life of Jesus, who know him and walk with him, even they get scared. Even they have anxiety. Even they deal with fears. Again, this might have been one of those angels that was terrifying. And we don't see a, a ton of fear, but it le- enough that he would say to Mary, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is what I love about Mary. Is, um, she, I notice this in a lot of women. I see this in my wife. I could tell her we just won the lottery, and she'd go like that. That's great. Now, how is this going to work? You know what I'm saying? She wouldn't worry about the specific things. She'd, she moves from fear to function immediately. She's very pragmatic. How, okay, give me the details on this. That's the same thing Mary does. She was just told she was going to give birth to the Messiah. She could have stayed in that place for a while, right? And what does she do? <clears throat> How's this going to work? I'm a virgin. She goes straight to pragmatism. She goes straight to wanting to know the details. I'm a virgin. How is this going to work, right? Craig Groeschel is one of my favorite pastors and teachers. He says in this moment, (laughs) Mary's interrupted. Her life is interrupted. But by God's grace, you can turn an interruption into an invitation. So in any of our lives, when God interrupts us, it's not just an interruption. We could see it as an interruption. Or you could see it as an invitation. Did Mary have plans, you think? We think she was somewhere between 12 and 16, which scares me to death as a father of two girls. It was culturally acceptable to Mary in that age, in that time. She had, she had her whole life in front of her. She had all kinds of plans. She was about to be a young bride, you know? And yet the Lord tells her something that's not going to just change her day. This is going to change the rest of her life. Very easily to be seen as an interruption. And instead she sees it as an invitation. I love what she says to the angel. 
And really, she says it to herself almost before she says it to the angel or at the same time. This is what she says. I am the Lord's servant. You know what I would encourage you to do this year? As we walk into this new year, what if you, you became acquainted with that phrase for your own life? So when God begins to interrupt you, and listen, he interrupts us all the time if we're listening. Hey, go speak to that person sitting over there by themselves. Hey, go take some cookies to your neighbor. Hey, go see if you can babysit this weekend for that couple that's working so hard. God wants to interrupt you all the time, except it's not an interruption, it's an invitation. And what if we could get used to saying this, I am the Lord's servant. What if our identity could be found in the fact that we are his servant and we see this not as interruption, but as invitation? Would that change us? Would it change us? I think it would. My life is not my own. My will is not my own, Lord. Your will first. And then she says this phrase. Uh, I love it so much. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Almost, she takes ownership almost in this thing. It's not just like she says, hey, may, may your word be fulfilled in the world or may this come true. May what you've told me, this is now my story. I am your servant and I embrace this story. Just a, a sign of, of, of ownership and, and uh, buy-in from her, right? She's amazing. But what, let's look at her as a human being for a second because that's what she was. She was a very real little girl. What, what were some fears maybe she had? How am I going to get, how, how's my life going to recover from this? This is, this is going to wreck my plans. Could have been a fear. Or what about, um, what are people going to say? I'm a virgin girl. I'm a young virgin girl. What are people going to say of me? What are they going to think of me? But you know, listen, you know what's worse than what people are going to think of me? I bet a real fear for Mary was what are people going to do to me? Because Deuteronomy 22 says if a girl comes up pregnant who's unwed, you can drag her to the city gate and you can stone her to death. Did Mary have fear that was real? We don't think about that, do we? Oh, let me just, oh, this baby will be wonderful. And we see this little cherubim, you know, face and this perfect angelic moment. She could have very easily been afraid for her life, not just what people were going to say about her. They could have killed her. And yet, she, knowing all that, she says what? I'm the Lord's servant. This is what Mary does. She lets consequences be secondary to her obedience. She lets consequences be secondary to her obedience. What if we could do that? Because I have a feeling that most of our fear it has to do with the consequences and not the obedience. But what if we said, Lord, I am the Lord's servant. My job is to focus on obedience. Your job is to focus on the consequences. I'm not going to worry about those. I'm going to focus on the obedience. That's what we see Mary do. And then she says, how is this possible? Like the mechanics of this, at least in my young mind, this is not adding up, right? And the angel helps her to understand there's nothing impossible with God. You might have been praying about something for a long, long time. And honestly, in your human soul, you might be going, yeah, I'm still praying, but I don't even know if I believe it's possible anymore. Listen, 
Anything is possible with our God. He hears our prayers, we know that. And we know anything is possible with our God. Do we have more faith than fear? That's the question. That's the question we have to leave here with today. Do we have more faith than fear? Because nothing is impossible with God. Were you willing to allow the Lord to interrupt your life? And will you see it as an invitation? And can you be bold enough to say, God, I'm the Lord's servant. Not my will, not my plans, not my dreams. Listen, you're looking at somebody this morning, trust me, who God has interrupted a few times. He's interrupted me in the last 20 years a few times. And, I'm, and I've had to go, oh, no, that, I don't remember that being the plan, God. And we have to say, I'm the Lord's servant. It's not my life. It's not my story. It's not my dream. I'm yours. Completely yours. Here's the next character this morning. Joseph, another pretty big character in the story, right? Matthew 1.18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now this one's a little different. The first two we see they're terrified because of the angel. The angel scared him, right? In this story, his fear is not of the angel. Do you know what his, his fear is, uh, is? He's afraid of people. Does that sound like anybody you know? The angel doesn't scare him in his dream. The angel speaks to his real fear, doesn't he? His fear is of people. How often we let people get in our minds and, and ruin our lives because of fear. This is something else that happens. Evidently, Joseph doesn't believe Mary. You know, she tells him, no, Joseph, you got to understand, the, the Holy Spirit has overshadowed me. I'm now pregnant with the Lord's baby. And Joseph's kind of like, right. Um, so I know that you're pregnant with the Lord's baby. That's awesome. You guys, uh, we're, I'm just going to, we're going to, I'm going to divorce you quietly. And it almost sounds like he's doing that on her behalf, doesn't it? Oh, it's so nice of him to do that quietly. Oh, I'm just going to, it's not about her. It's about him. He doesn't want to be connected with his sin. You know why? Because his life, he's known as somebody who lives the law. He fulfills the law. And people who are really intent on filling the law, they don't want you to know that they're really sinners. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. And Joseph doesn't want to be connected to this sin and to this brokenness. He, he doesn't want to be a part of it. Right? He's protecting himself. What are, if we look at Joseph from a very real human, human kind of standpoint, what do we see in maybe some of Joseph's fears? People are going to think I'm not faithful to the law, that I'm a sinner. They're going to think that Mary sinned with me or someone else. And, and maybe his real fear was, what if they stone Mary? 
could have been a very real fear for Joseph. People are going to judge us. They're going to treat us like outcasts. What if his fear even went deeper? Because we know he didn't believe her story. So what if he backed up even further and said, wait a minute. If she's lying to me about this, what else is she lying to me about? Has she ever loved me? That could have been a real fear in her heart. Has she ever really loved me? Has this whole relationship been a sham? Maybe one of his fears was, will I ever recover from this disgrace? Have you ever felt that way? I made such a big mistake. Can God ever forgive me? Will I ever recover from this thing that I've done? It's a very real fear that Joseph could have felt. I love what Joseph's response to the dream is. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. Joseph's response, the angel calls him out and says, you're afraid of people. And what does Joseph do? He obeys. It's very simple. Joseph wakes up and does the very thing the angel told him to do. He's going to let consequences be secondary to his obedience in Jesus. He's not going to fear consequences. He's not going to fear people. He's going to let those things be secondary to his obedience and God, is that what we do? Or do we let the circumstances keep us from being obedient? Here's another thing from Joseph's story. There's gonna be, when you choose to live for Jesus, or when you make a decision to honor Christ with your life, there are going to be some people that don't like it. There are going to be some people that are going to question you, and you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to please men and women? Or am I going to please God? Am I going to choose to please people or am I going to choose to please God? And I pray that you'll choose obedience and let the circumstances, the, the consequences rather, uh, be something God deals with. Here's the last character from our story, the shepherds. We talked about them a little bit last week. I want to just touch on them again this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'll bring you, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. See, the shepherds, they weren't just afraid. They were terrified. This is like, this descriptive goes up a notch. So I'm, I'm assuming this is one of those frightening, warring, angel type of personalities that you would be terrified to see. We mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again. This announcement to the shepherds is, is kind of like God saying, listen, the gospel is for everyone. Shepherds were the lowliest of the low. They were outcasts of society. They smelled bad. Most, a lot of them were thieves, so they weren't trusted. They weren't religious people because they had a, when you have a flock of sheep, you can't be like, hey, sheep, hang on, I'm going to be at the church for just a little while. I'll be back, and then we'll keep going down the, it doesn't happen. You don't get to go obey the law. And so the people who obey the law look at the, sheep, the shepherds and go, those guys don't even go to church. They're not religious. They're uneducated. And yet these are the people that the angel comes to, and the Lord is making an announcement. Everyone is welcome. The gospel is for everyone, the lowliest of whoever you think is the lowly. 
That's who the gospel is brought to first. And listen, they're not only welcome, they're not only welcome, God wants to use them in his story. Do you realize that the first missionaries are these shepherds? They're the very first ones. The angel leaves and the, well, you know, the, the, the cloud of angels come, the multitude of angels show up. And then they leave and the shepherds say, let's go and look at this thing. See this thing that the, the angels have told us about. They go and worship and then it says they leave. And they tell the story. And then they come back and worship again. This is saying, listen, doesn't matter who you are. No matter what you've done or where you've been or how removed from religion or church or God that you may feel, you're welcome. And you need what this child brings. And not only are you welcome, God wants to use you to tell the story. <laughs> I love that. I love it. What are some real fears maybe that the shepherds faced? Can we just talk about those for a second? They're real people. Let's see if you connect with any of these Will we ever make any more money than this? <laughs> you ever felt that one? Is this as high as I can go in my career? Am I always going to live paycheck to paycheck because these sheep don't pay very much? I'm tired. Feels like all I do is work. Can't even sleep without hearing the sheep. God could never love someone like us. We can't go to church if we wanted to. We can't be in temple. We can't be obedient that way if we wanted to and be shepherds. How could God love someone like me? And surely, how could God ever use someone like me? And yet that's exactly what he does, isn't it? What about this one? Has God forgotten us? These homeless clan of people. I, I spent some time in India back in uh, 2009 or 10, and I got to go right on the, uh, on the border of um, Pakistan and India in the mountains. And as we went up on top of this mountain, we literally just went to go kind of sightsee. And uh, we were with a missionary who did some work with some different shepherds. And we went up onto this mountain to a clan of shepherds. What? It was the coolest thing ever. Like there were generations of a family together in tents with horses and sheep and I, it was just blowing my mind. I couldn't quite conceive what I was looking at, you know. And I remember there was this one beautiful young girl. I hope she probably thought I was creepy, but I was taking her picture. I asked her if I could because she looked like Mary to me. She had this veil over her face and she's sitting at the entrance of a tent and there's a, a sheep, a little lamb, a little baby lamb tied up next to her tent. And I was able to get these pictures of her and her lamb. And just that had great meaning to me, right? These are homeless people in essence. They have to live out away from everyone else. Do you think they ever felt, God, have you forgotten us? Do we matter? Does our family matter? And what's even worse, I believe maybe one of their fears could have been this, and maybe it's been one of your fears does my life even matter? I mean, if I was gone, would people miss me? Sometimes we have that fear. It's very real for some of us. God wants us to see this. He wants us to know this. Every life matters. 
He loves us equally. His good news is for everyone. He can use everyone, right? Every person is made in his image in the Imago Dei. Every person has unbelievable worth and value because of being created in his image. And you never know when God's going to show up and invite you into a bigger story. It could happen today. It could happen at lunch. You might just, before you pray over lunch, you might just ask your waiter or waitress, hey, we're going to pray in a second. What's anything going on in your life that you want us to pray for you about? How hard is that to do? It's not very hard, is it? And yet you might see the waitress or the waiter go, really? Yeah. What's your name? Start a conversation. Who knows how God is going to interrupt, no, no, invite you into a bigger story than you're already in for his glory. I love these stories. I love Christmas. But these stories are kind of like us as a church. They're, these people are very different. Some are old, some are young, uh, some are rich, some are poor, some are proud, some are humble. It's a very diverse group of people, and yet we see God meet each and every one of them at their point of fear. And we see him speak peace. Listen, I don't know what your story is made up of. I'm not sure what that fear is that we talked about early on in the service. But I know that fear sometimes has the power to cripple in depression, in uh, addiction, in anxiety, in doubt. Can I just say to you with the sincerity of my heart, God is willing to meet you and your very real fear right now, today. Whatever it is, maybe it's about kids. Maybe it's about finances. Maybe it's about the future. Maybe it's something from the past that you can't seem to shake. God is willing to meet you today at the point of your fear. Oswald Chambers, he says, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. And when you don't fear God, you'll fear everything else. This is what he's trying to say. Faith and fear can't exist in the same place. I don't know about you, but I've been doing a lot of dishes over the last few days, right? Uh, And it may surprise you, I, I enjoy doing dishes and helping out in that way. But have you ever been doing dishes and there's a pot or something in the sink and it's got a lot of grease in it? And you just drop a little drop of water and that grease will just, you know, have you seen, you know what I'm talking about? It just separates because oil and water can't really be in the same, can't connect in that same way. That's the same way faith and fear works. Your heart may be full of fear if you'll begin to drop faith. If you'll begin to walk out faith in your life, fear will go away. Because they can't exist in the same place. Where there's more faith, there's less fear. And where there's more fear, there's less faith. So I'd ask you this morning, what's in your heart? What are you walking out in your life? Are you walking out of faith? Or are you walking out of fear? Because today is your opportunity to look back on 2017 and say goodbye, fear. Goodbye, junk that has held me crippled and kept me from being who God wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do, I'm done. You have a new opportunity today. Today. 
John Piper says it this way. Unbelief gets the upper hand in our hearts. And one of the effects is anxiety. The root cause of anxiety is failure to trust all that God has promised to be for us in Jesus. It's very easy. It's very easy to allow untrust and these things to come into our lives. And before you know it, we're operating off of fear instead of faith. I want to just speak a couple of verses over you and we're going to be done this morning. Matthew 6, 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Can I just encourage you, friends, to walk into the new year with just a couple of things. Saying, Lord, I am your servant. I'm going to focus on obedience and not on consequences of obedience. And can I encourage you to walk into 2018 saying, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's all, that's all I want to be in the focus of my life. I'm your servant. I'll do what you call me to do. It's not my story. It's yours. It's not my preference. It's yours. It's not my plan. It's yours. And I'm going to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Last verse, and then we're going to go. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Would you say those three words with me? Power, love, self-control. Let's say them again. Power, love, self-control. If y'all were at a hog game right now, this would be pathetic, I'm just telling you. <laughs> One more time. Power, love, self-control. That's the spirit that God has given you. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Don't let the enemy whisper that in your ear, into your heart, into your life. Stand up. Let the spirit of God reign in your life. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Let's walk out of a spirit of power, of love, and self-control this year. Let's be who he wants us to be. Do what he wants us to do. So that next year at this time, we look back and we go, I can't believe what a year was like without fear. I had faith. Now listen, I, I wish I had three things to say. Take these down real quick. And you could write them down and you could put them on your mirror and you'd never be afraid again. I, I so wish that. And the last thing I want is this message to sound trite. I know some of you face unbelievable fears. And for that, I'm sorry. My heart is broken for you and with you. One of the reasons the Lord laid this message on my heart is I heard some really prominent pastors say this phrase that fear not, I am with you is in the Bible 365 times, one for every day of the year. Have you ever heard that? I heard that and I was like, whoa, that's amazing. That's not a coincidence, right? That's incredible. And so this week I started studying that because I don't want to just say something to you and not know that it's true. So I started doing the homework on that and honestly, I didn't find that that was true. 
I found that the reality of that statement is that it really happens four to 500 times, <laughs> not 365. You know what that means? That means that every day this year, you may be afraid more than once. <laughs> you may face multiple moments of fear, and yet God is bigger. He's covered us. Let's walk in faith, not fear. Lord Jesus, God, fear is real. And as human beings, it's such a, a redundant statement because we all know fear is real. We all face things every day, every week, every year that frighten us, that cause anxiety and concern. It's a part of our human condition. And yet we see in your word, in the Old Testament, in the New, you've said this so many times, more than anything else, fear not, for I'm with you. And so God, even though I know some of these friends have faced some very real and devastating loss and difficulty that has caused great fear, Lord, in faith, I know that you're greater. It's only in my belief in who you say you are that I can stand on this stage and tell these friends it's okay God is greater than your fear because you've told us so many times to fear not and we're not alone you are with us through every difficulty every circumstance help us to have faith this year to speak to ourselves into the world that we're your servant to, to obey you regardless of what consequences may come and to know that you are with us, to have the faith to believe that you're in control and you're good. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Listen, as we go into this song now, I, I want to I do the, the altar is always open every Sunday. It's what I love about the, what this church has always stood for. This is a place you can come and pray. I don't know that it's any more special than your seat. You can pray there too. But there's something I think it's special up here. Listen, maybe, maybe you need to come up here and you just need to say, Lord, I need to let go of some things from 2017 and I just need to pray. I need to give you this year. I need to give you this year. I need to give you these fears. I need to give you these concerns. What a beautiful place to do that. What a beautiful group of people to do it with, the church. So Kim's just going to play lightly for a moment. Brother Jerry and I are going to be on either side of the stage. If you need us to pray with, then we're happy to pray with you. You may just want to come to the altar and pray. It's perfectly, perfectly wonderful. You may want to just bow your head and pray where you are. That's okay, too. Can we just take a few moments and just come to the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart. See the fears. Heal the wounds give me the faith and the trust that I need to move forward into this year. Can we do that right now for a few moments? If you want to come, we'll be down here. Why don't you stand and we'll be down here in case you need us.